welcome to the Unleashing Sister Saints podcast with Susan Madsen. I'm thinking about the upcoming general conference session and really want to get a lot out of it. Every day these days, I'm working on receiving personal revelation to guide my own personal decisions and behaviors, I should say, and also about the work I do in the community and the world so that I can be an instrument in his hands for good. And I expect you're doing the same. Can I be honest here? It actually takes constant work to keep my heart in a good place. When you work on women's leadership, gender challenges, and all types of issues that come along with that, you have to watch your heart and your head of how you think about things and how you feel about things. I know many former Latter-day Saint women who have been in the space that I have and have left the church. I feel called to do the work I do, but also feel like God knows me. He knows my head, heart, and hands, and he needs me. I truly believe that he needs each of you as well. And if there are men listening in, I have to say I'm absolutely thrilled. We need male allies in this church and in this world. Thanks for caring. I thought I would do two things today. The first is to highlight a few things from a scholarly article, and then I'll talk a little more about how I feel about General Conference and what I hope to learn this time around. So first, I just finished reading a scholarly article titled, Quoted at the Pulpit, Male Rhetoric and Female Authority in 50 Years of General Conference by Eliza Wells, and she published this last year in the Dialogue Journal. I thought it brought up some interesting points that I would like to share in this episode. When I speak myself in church settings, I find that I tend to do some of the things she is talking about. Although I do bring in women's voices too, that I talk about these issues are so much on my mind these days and on my radar, I should say. So Eliza's research analyzed quotation practices in general conference between 1971 and 2020. She read every April session talk given by a member of the First Presidency or Karma of the Twelve Apostles during those decades. She also read every female leader talk given in the April general sessions during that time period. Actually, with the females, it was between 1984 and 2020. And then she also read every talk given by any leader in any session between April 2016 and April 2020. So she documented every quotation, including what was cited, the number of words in each quotation, and the way the speaker verbally introduced each quotation. This totaled more than 12,700 quotations over 1,100 talks. Phew, that's a lot. So Eliza acknowledges that the content and themes of general conference talks are important, but in how the themes are expressed is also important. So what leaders say to and about women and how they frame and support what they have to say, according to Eliza, quote, shows women's place in the church, end of quote. It's challenging that although church leaders preach that women and men are equal, those separate do actions speak louder than words? That's really what she is saying. So what did she find? This is what she said. The quotation patterns of 50 years of general conference addresses reveal that despite increasingly vocal commitments from church leaders to the equal, though separate status of women and men, those leaders continue to treat female voices as less authoritative than male ones. Church leaders quote men far more 16 times for every one time they quote a woman, even 
taking into account the expected effects of the church overwhelmingly male scripture and all male priesthood hierarchy, women are quoted less, cited less, and acknowledged less. Okay, that's the end of her quote. Not a surprise, right? So she's trying to make a point, obviously, and, and she did the research around that to make that. She also noted that Latter-day Saint scripture is almost entirely male. The Book of Mormon has almost 250 named individuals, but only six of those are female and only two women actually speak in the text. In addition, speakers quote overwhelmingly men, poets, historical figures, and non-Latter-day Saint leaders when they do quote them. And there are also fewer conference talks and books on church doctrine written by women that can be quoted as well. So she also studied how men referred to women when citing them. They more often mentioned their appearance, like beautiful and young, and their relationship status, mother and wife, and more infrequently actually use their names. When leaders speak on the topic of gender, they quote male authorities even more strongly. Even in women's sessions, women speakers are more likely to talk about being a woman but they quote men to make the case of why women matter. Research has found that when we are wanting people to believe something is important, we choose sources that more people will trust. And that is of the brethren at the top, the authorities. So overall, women have been quoted less, acknowledged less, and are seen as less authoritative than men. So women leaders quote male leaders more than any other group of speakers. That's interesting. And female leaders only 2% of the time. So Eliza also made the point that those with the most authority share their own thoughts and words more than those with the least authority. So she said, when leaders who spend the most time using their own words are the most powerful, it is telling that leaders who spend the least time doing so are female. Wow. I used a lot of quotes in this podcast, including today. So I'm wondering if I do that because I feel like I don't have any authority. I don't have an important position in the church. I'm a gospel doctrine teacher. And today in church, they call three more gospel doctrine teachers. So I'll just probably be teaching every three months now. And maybe I'm afraid that I have to back everything up because of this. Maybe that's good. Maybe it's not. I do like good quotes, though. To summarize, she said, the overwhelming imbalance in quoting men and women reveals conference speakers' beliefs, conscious or otherwise, that their audience respects male voices more than female ones. Women still consistently make up less than 3% of quotations in general conference. They are still described in terms of their appearance and relationship status. Sermons about how they should live are the domain of male authority. Their own representatives in the church spend more time at the pulpit repeating male leaders' words. Despite leaders' claims that women speak and teach with the power and authority, their quotation practices diminish that authority and frequently deny women the opportunities to speak at all. So overall, some interesting data and words. Thanks to Eliza for this uh, interesting piece. She was obviously trying to make some points, which I think she did pretty well. So what do I think? On the one hand, this is bad timing for this episode for me and you, as we'll probably be thinking about this too much during general conference sessions now soon. I don't want to be irritated when I'm listening to conference. I don't expect there will be many women speakers again. The leadership in the church is nearly all men, as we know, according to Eliza, 
which makes sense, 100 male leaders higher up than the female officers. I do think there is something amiss with that, but don't want my heart to get hardened about it. I work hard to keep a soft heart so I can feel the spirit. So I guess I would say I'm going to have my head and heart in the right place so that I can listen to the church leaders in a way that I can hear the concepts well, but also feel the message in the spirit. I 100% believe that God speaks to me and you. These days, when I feel personal revelation, I move and I do it quickly most of the time. So I'm going to approach this conference believing that he will speak to me. There will be messages that will come through loud and clear if I am listening for them. I'll have my journal with me and I'll take notes. I'll capture those messages. And I want during this conference to feel that love that I need to feel, that my heavenly parents know me personally, that they need me, that I have a special callings from them. I need to believe that. This is where peace comes from, that certainty that he is the savior of all mankind. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unleashing Sister Saints. This is Susan Madsen, and I'm devoted to unleashing the positive impact of Sister Saints on the world. Mm -hmm.